That is one of my favorite songs, and it's so much better when Avery doesn't sing with you. So, anyway. Just being serious, okay? I'm just, no, I'm just joking. All right, we're going to be, a few weeks ago, we were in uh, chapter 3 of Acts, talking about when uh, Peter and John came along, and they're on their way to church, and they heal the guy that can't walk. Well, and so everybody gets mad at him. Not, not, not everybody. A lot of people are thrilled to death and praising God about what's happening. But the guys that are running the church get upset at him. And they throw him in jail, and it goes on, and uh, it's kind of, a, kind of a bad deal. And so we're going to follow through. And actually, I was going to preach out of the first 16 verses of chapter 4 this morning. And I was going to preach this sermon tonight, and I don't know why, but God just, I felt like I needed to switch it. And so anyway, we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 16. We're going to read through 31. We're not going to read through the whole thing. We're going to read verses 16 through 31. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you praising God enough? Are you praising God enough? Are you remembering the things that God has done for you? And are you bringing them before him? Because it's, it's important that we do. It's important as a church that we do that. And so let's all stand this morning. We're going to begin with verse 16. And these, these, this is the, uh, the, the priests are saying these things. Let's read this part, this part and uh, prepare our hearts for, for the word this morning. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So this is verse 16. And these, they have put Peter and John in prison for the night and they've brought them back out. And then they're talking about it. And this is what they're saying. What are we going to do with these men? They ask everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. They can't stand these guys. But this is what they're saying about him. And we can't deny it. They're so mad that this guy can walk. Can you you believe this? This is what what they're doing. This guy is walking and it is really upsetting us. And we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. When they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus... But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right for us in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, 
They raise their voices together in prayer to God. Now they're praying, but this is also a praise that they're doing. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word and great bold, with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal the and perform miracles and signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they after they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is a great story and I just want to talk just a minute about it this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And I pray that we would be a people who remember all the things that you've done and that we would tell you again what you've done for us. And remember it and praise you for what you've done. Help us to be a people who are thankful and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Think about it. How much time do you spend out of your life praising God? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's lots of things that we do. And most of it is taking care of this thing to make sure that it keeps going. And, and I got to tell you, what I have, my body is not much to look at. And it's not really in all that great a shape anymore. And uh, if you, if you uh, work it just a little bit, if you start, if I, if I work and I try not to work any at all. But anyway, if I work, it starts to stink and it starts to smell. And every year it gets weaker and weaker and my joints hurt. And if I try, and when I was a kid, I used to, me and Michael Dill was talking about this the other day. I used to be able to just bail out of the back end of a pickup or jump off a stack of hay. And man, I just keep going. If I jumped off a back of a pickup right now, they'd have to put me back in the pickup and take me to the hospital. My knees cannot, my knees are, are getting old and they, and they are not, uh, very strong anymore. Uh, we went on vacation and when I, when I sat in the car for a long time, when I get out of the car, I, I, I kind of walk like this for just a little while. It kind of takes me a while to get straight. I mean, that's any time that I'm sitting down for very long at all. But you know what? I still spend a lot of time trying to keep this thing going. I go to work and try to earn money so I can feed this thing. And, and uh, three times a day or four or five or six, I feed it to make sure that it's got energy and it's still going. And I wash it. I mean, I never wash my truck, but I wash my body because it stinks and I want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, and so I take care of this thing and uh, try to, uh, try to uh, take care of it the best I can. And the other night I wanted to show my body how much I appreciated it. And so I snuck an Andy's in on it and it just, and my body said, mm, you know, I'm not doing that so much anymore, but every now and then you just need to say, you know, body, 
you're not that great, but I appreciate you. And I gave him a, a pineapple concrete and he was happy. But, uh, you know, you, and I think how much time do I spend providing for this body? How much time do I spend it? And then I think how much time do I spend thanking the source of life that come you know that God is the source of all life this thing is not going to move one inch if God's not sourcing it but most of the time we spend more time trying to keep this thing going than we do praising and thanking the very source of life we spend a lot of time working on this but we don't spend a whole lot of time thanking God for he for what he has done for us and for for what he does what he what he uh, does in our life we tend to put our needs first and our body ahead of what God wants to do and if we go back and I want to just go visit that just a little bit on chapter three instead of putting our needs first we need to put what God is trying to do first and Peter and John were on their way to church and they were, it was that time of the day they were going to pray. And there were other things that they could have done that day. And there could have there probably other things that their body wanted to do that day. But they wanted to be in God's house and do what God wanted to do. So they went on their way to church. They put being with God and being in that prayer time ahead of everything else. And Jesus is to be in our life the very most important thing that we do. And, and we talk about him, but do we, do, we, uh, do we talk about other things more than we talk about what Jesus is doing? And I got to thinking about that. There's lots of times that when we talk to people, we rarely mention what Jesus is doing. We always, people say, you know, what are you doing? What's going on at work? What's happening with your kids? How's the ball team doing? Catching any fish? Doing all this stuff? But do we say, I mean, if Jesus is the real source of our life, there ought to be some time in that conversation which you say, hey, what's God doing in your life? What's God saying in your life? What has God done in your life lately? We ought to be sticking in praises in everything we do. We was in Sunday school this morning and we started talking about the things that God was doing and it was fantastic. We had two major praises had a praise uh that that we started that i only kind of really heard about on wednesday night and uh us and another family in church i don't know who all else they had told about it but we was praying about a job situation and by the end of the week god changed that changed that and then we started talking about other things that, that got healings that god has done and you start praising god and it starts changing the way you think. And you're not so much inward as so much, look what God is doing. And so Peter and John are on their way to church. And lots of times when we're on their way to church, who are we thinking about? We, we say that we're going there to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. But lots of times we're like, what does the church have for me? What has it got for my kids? What has it got for me? What has it got for, for what I want? And when we go to church, we're thinking about what can God do for me? And we don't want to be interrupted about that. And Peter and John are on their way to church. And God says, I've got something that I want you to do today. I've got something that's going to be just a little bit different. And they are interrupted. And lots of times we don't welcome interruption, do we? 
Are you willing for God to work and interrupt your life? When they get back home, you don't hear them complain. I mean, and, and when you get to chapter four, you don't hear them complain that, you know, we were on our way to church and then all of a sudden we got interrupted with this guy that needed to be healed. And, and then that turned into we had to go to jail overnight. And they're not complaining at all. You know, they're not, they're not griping about that God messed up their whole day. They don't gripe about it. They are ecstatic about it. We were on our way to church. And God decided to interrupt what I was trying to do that day. We were going to go and pray, and we were all set to do that. And all of a sudden, God said, hey, let's go heal this guy. And that turned into an overnight stay at jail. And we got to praising God about all the things that he was doing. Are you open to God interrupting your life? And how often do we stand and pray? I mean, every Sunday morning, and I think we should do it, and I think it's a great thing. And we sit here and we anoint for those who are lost. But are you interested? I mean, and we pray, oh God, come. And, and this is how we should pray. And I want us to pray. And we need to continue to pray. But I think we need to get farther out than that. Praying, oh God, I pray. That, you know, I mean, we're praying for people. There's people that we're praying for, that you're praying for, that are not in this town. That we are going to have no contact with them. We're, oh God, somebody, pray that somebody would go and speak to their life. Well, you know what's going to happen for somebody to go and speak into your loved one's life? That other person's life is going to have to get interrupted. It's going to have to be interrupted. And they're going to have to be open to that interruption. And there's somebody in another church, in another town, who is praying for someone who lives in this town. That's saying, I wish that someone would speak into their life. I wish that someone would allow their life to be interrupted. And we're all about praying for that. But are we up for the task of God interrupting our life? We're praying, oh, God, do it in somebody else's life, but not mine. Because I don't have any time for interruption in my life. And we pray that, but uh, are we open to God doing that in our life? I don't have time for that, but God do it for somebody else. But Peter and John were open to have their day interrupted. And we plan our days so full that we don't have time for God to interrupt them. You ever, you ever get, I mean, if you plan your day, I got to get up, I got to get the kids ready. We got to do this. We got to do that. I got to be at the doctor's office. I got to be at work. I got to come home. I got to fix supper. I got to do this. I got to eat. I got to go to get the kids all ready for bed. I got to go. Do you ever pencil in time for, you know, God's inter- might interrupt today. God, I'm going to pencil you in some time there just in case you interrupt so I can. We don't do that. We don't start our day and think, you know, maybe God might want to interrupt my day. We don't have any time for interruption. We don't plan for interruption. I don't, I'm just being honest with you. I have a weekly calendar and I write down as much stuff as I can remember to do. And I'm just being honest with you. I don't write in there interruption from God because it's an interruption. But we might in our mind ought to be thinking, you know, God might want to interrupt this day. And when we're there, we, uh, we, we should be ready for it. But I'm going to tell you, I don't like interruption. I'm like, what has two thumbs and hates interruption? This guy. I mean, we don't like it. We, we like things to go exactly the way we want it, and we don't want anything to come in the middle of it and interrupt it. What are you, what are you doing? We don't like interruption. 
We don't like it. We want things to just go the way we want them to go without anything happening. We want everything to just stay on schedule. And I like on my calendar, I want everything to go the way that I've written it down. And have you ever... What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing, Alan? What are you... Check, check, check. Yeah, it's on time. Check. You're interrupting. Sound check. We don't need... Don't you hate interrupt? I hate interruptions. I hate them. Anyway. Don't you hate interruptions? And so I did that this morning so that we could see that interruptions are maddening. Okay? But have you ever thought that in the midst of life, when there's an interruption, that God might be saying, hey, hey, tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, I may have something for you to do. Those guys were on their way to church and they had their mindset, what was going. And God said, I've got an interruption for you. I would say that they probably missed church that day. I'm sure they did. They were going to church. Oh my goodness. They missed church because God interrupted what they were trying to do. God does not, God wants us to do church. I know that God wants us to do church. And, and church is important. And it's important for us to come and it's important for us to worship together. And God has things that he wants to accomplish in here that he can't accomplish anywhere else. And this is important. But God also has things to do that, that will interrupt our life. And the success of our church is not based on just how many people we have here, but how many things that God accomplishes through us. It's not people in the seats it's souls in heaven that are what the church is here to accomplish. And sometimes God wants to interrupt our life to accomplish in that. So these guys are interrupted to do a miracle. And they were put in prison overnight. And they were ordered to stop sternly. And then they are released. And so when they're released, you don't hear them griping about, you know, I had to spend the whole night in prison and prison food is terrible or who knows what they got. They don't talk about that. The first thing they do, they go back to the church, to the people, to their friends, and they'll say, look what God's done. They start praising God for the interruptions in their life. I'm going to be honest with you. How many times do you praise God for an interruption in your life? Most of the time, Interruptions aren't like this. But I wonder if we started looking. If there would be a time where we would say, you know, I've got something going here, but I think God think, needs me to speak something into this person's life. Our uh, district superintendent tells about the time that some complete stranger came and spoke to him. And I'm sure that he was, and they were in a store. And this guy starts talking to him about his soul. And he cursed the guy out and left. And within half an hour, he had come to know the Lord. That guy will never know that, that, that uh, Mark Bain got saved until heaven. 
In his mind, he thinks that Mark Bain cursed him out and went away and lived a life of sin and died and went to hell. What he doesn't know is that Mark Bain has led gobs of people to the Lord and that the Joplin district has changed and the Church of the Nazarene has changed and and people from all over the world have come to know Christ through him speaking to that guy in the store one day. He cursed him out and he thinks that was the end of it, but something changed. You don't know, but we are to be people who are open to interruption in our life. We need to be looking for it. We need to be looking... Those guys had passed that guy who knows how many times. But on this day, I said, God wants to do something here. There may be somebody that you see at the gas station every day or two or three times a week. And if you were waiting and listening and, and, and open to God, it might be that God would say, you need to say something today. Because that might be the day that they are ready to hear. They may not have been ready any other day. but And you say, well, I might be late for work. Well, you might be. Or I might be late for something else. Or I might be late for whatever. But an interruption from God is worth it. And so they come and they start praising God for what's happened. I just want to read this to you. This is one of the neatest prayers and praises that I've ever heard. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. I mean, they've been reprimanded by the high church. You understand? It'd be like it'd be like me going to Mark Bain, my, my district superintendent, or even uh, you know these guys were probably like general superintendents, and they're like, you, get, you need to shut your mouths and don't say this stuff anymore, and and they're like, what? I don't get no, and, and so they've they've been reprimanded by the high church, and it says, uh, where am I at here? It says indeed, wait. When they heard this. They raise their voices together in prayer to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, they said. And they just start reminding God of all the things he's done. Do you think that God doesn't remember creating the heavens and the earth? He remembers it. But he likes it when someone says, you know, I've taken notice of the things you've made. You created the heavens. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And they said, you made your servant David say this and we've now seen it happen. It says, we've seen this. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant David, whom you anointed. They've got together and decided to kill him. And they did what you already had planned. They weren't doing anything that you didn't even already know about. You'd already planned it. They were doing what you wanted them to do. You were, they were doing what had to happen. And now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform uh, miraculous signs and wonders through the name of, our ho- through, of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. They began to praise the Lord. They remind God and themselves of what God has done. You know, every now and then, you need to get together with your family and you need to sit down or even with the church and sit down and say, you remember what God did way back when? You remember when I was like this and God changed me? Or you remember when so-and-so was sick and God came in? God, we remember that. We remember that. 
And that's what they were doing. They were saying, we remember, we looked around and we've seen the whole earth that you made. And I just want to tell you, God, you did a good job. You ever just do that to God? I got up the other morning out there at the old uh, house place where we live in the trailer. And uh, I woke up at 530 in the morning. And it was just starting to get light. And I walked out my back door there into the swamp uh, where all the water is now because that's the way it is. We live in a bayou is where we live. And every time it rains, it just, and I walked out there in the puddles and I heard a turkey gobble. And I was like, oh, it's good to be Brian. And I just thought, God, thank you. Thank you. And the other, and at night I'll go out there and look around and there's fireflies as far as you can see. And the frogs are chirping and it's dark as it's black out there. And you can see all the stars. And I'm like, God, you, you remember when you made the stars, you did a good job. And he's like, I know it, but it's nice to hear. You know, you ever do something and you know that it's a good job, but if someone tells you it's nice to hear, and this is what they're doing. They are reminding themselves and they're reminding God, you know, you're pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. And they just go on and on about how great God is and how, uh, uh, how he overcomes things. And, and then they, they go into, and if you read the uh, Amplified Bible, it goes into, and it says, these guys, and, and what they're talking about, you have to understand that the leaders at the time, the people that killed Jesus were high officials in the most powerful government in the world. Rome was running everything. And these guys that were working and, and crucified Jesus were up high in the Roman government. They are, they are the upper echelon. They're the smartest guys in the world at that time. They're the most powerful guys. And the disciples are like, those most powerful guys were plotting and thinking and they got together and they thought they could kill your son. God, do you remember when that happened? Of course, it hadn't been, but just a few days ago. But they were like, God, do you remember when that happened? You remember when them guys got together and they were so smart and, and all they were doing is what you had ordained years ago and said, and David even talked about it. You remember when that happened, God? And God's like, yeah. It was just a few days ago, but I remember it. And it's so, and they said, and they thought they killed him, but they didn't kill him. He come up out of the grave and he's sitting at your right hand. You remember that God? He goes, yeah, Jesus right here. I remember it, but I'm glad you remember it. I'm glad you're bringing it up. And it tickled him to death. It tickled God to get to death that they remembered what he had done and what he had been doing and, and that they were saying about it and what they were saying about it. And, and I think, I just think they were just like, God, you're so funny. They were trying to do this and you're just like, okay, go ahead because I've already got it planned out. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And they told God what he had done and it tickled him to death. So much so that after they get done telling him this, they said, God, we're so glad that you interrupted our day. We're so glad that you raised your son from the dead. We are so glad that you're God. And God, if you would just help us, we'd keep doing this stuff. We'd keep speaking like this. We'd keep doing the miracles. If you just help us, we'd do that. And God would be like, sure. And it just shakes the place. He is so happy 
because of the praise that they have given him, that he's like, yes, I would love to do that for you. I have a little granddaughter named Addie. And Addie will come to me and I'll be sitting in my big chair. Of course, I don't have my big chair anymore now because I live in a camper. I have a little chair and it's not very comfortable. And my kids don't come over because there's no room for them. But anyway, when I had a house and a, and a couch and my big chair, I'd come over there and, and Addie would get a blanket. And she'd come over and she'd go, swing me in a blanket. I'd be like, oh. Because I had to get up and do quit watching TV or whatever I was doing. She'd go, Pappy, swing me in a blanket. You know you can. I love it when you swing me in a blanket. Okay. And when, as soon as I say, okay, she's just like, and I throw the blanket down and she'll just lay down the blanket. And I'll grab the blanket by the corners, you know, and I'll ring, you know, swing around and throw her. No. <laughs> I'll swing her. I'll go one, you know, and I swing her pretty high because she's pretty tough. And I got a real soft couch. And I'll go one, two, whack, and she'll hit the ceiling. But no. And then I just get her up real high and I'll drop her in the couch, you know, because it's soft. And I can't see her because she's all wrapped up in the blanket. And she'll go, do it again, Pappy. Do it again, Pappy. One, two. Thanks, Pappy. Do it again, Pappy. Oh, okay, you know. And I think about that. And I think about, you know, we're made in God's image. And he works like we. I think he works a lot like If we're in his image, we must think like him and must understand things and have emotions like he has. And I think that these disciples are going, my God, you remember when you took us and, and we had that interruption in our day and we got thrown in jail and your spirit was so powerful. You remember that? And you remember when they tried to kill your son and they did and, and you rose him from the grave and, and all the smart people in the world thought they'd beaten God and, and you beat him down and, and, you, and you showed them and you raised your son up and he's, you remember that God? And God's like, yeah, yeah. Hey God, would you do that again? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I think he would love to do that in the church. I think he would love to do that in the life of his people. But we get so consumed in what we're doing that we forget to thank God for the things he's doing in our life. I think God would love for his children. Some God, you remember, I, I can tell you right now, one of the things that thrills me and I will never forget. God, you remember when you healed Cindy? Remember when she had been sick? God, she'd been sick for eight months. She had this headache for eight months. And you came in and you took that away. God, you remember that? Yeah. Why don't you do something like that again? <laughs> okay. Is he going to do that every time? I don't know. But I think he would do it more if his people would go back and, and instead of, oh, God, give me. Give me, give me. Oh, God, give me, give me. Because we start thinking about ourselves. Instead of thinking about ourselves, every now and then, probably way more than what we do, we need to say, God, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You remember when I was down and out and sorry and worthless and you came down and you spoke into my life and you changed me? God, you remember when you did that? Yeah. Would you do something like that again? God, you remember when uh, you were so powerful and working and, and lives were being changed? And, and God, would you do that again? I wish we'd do that in our church. I feel like we've kind of got in a low. I'm just being honest with you this morning. I'm just your pastor. We've had 
better days. We've had better days. We, we're having good days, and there's good things happening, and people's lives are getting changed, and we've ha- we're having good days. But there's been days where I feel like God's moved more in our church than he is right now. And I think it'd be real good for our church when we're home praying and say, God, I remember, I mean, I can start naming names. I remember, I remember when Alan Rose got delivered from a habit. I remember when Kelly Hunt got delivered from an eating disorder. I remember when a marriage got changed. I can remember when some people were gloriously saved. I remember when people were having trouble trying to figure out, am I going to be all in for God and trust him with everything I have, with all of my finances and everything like that? I can remember a Sunday morning over in the old church where I had a prayer with a family and they said, all right, we're all in and we're going to do this. And God completely changed everything in their life. I think God needs to be reminded about that. I think I can, I, I'm going to tell you something. I can remember a date that's two weeks from this Sunday, June the 5th, last year, where I was in, I'm telling you, I was in a dark, dark place and I had been in a dark place and, and I was just attesting that God was putting me through and I was just, I can remember that I will never forget that Sunday. It's the Sunday we baptized you two, yay, who's in the back. I will never forget that Sunday that God came down and spoke to me on that Sunday and he said, you're going to be okay. Now, sometimes I have to go back to that and remember that, but it wouldn't hurt me a few times if I said, God, you remember that day? You remember that? You remember that Sunday when we were baptized and God, I want you, I just want you to know, I remember too. I remember. Could you do it again? God, could you do that again? Could you come and meet with us like what you did that day again? Can I remember when you did this and that? Could you, could you do that again? When my little Addie asked me to do it again, and I want to, I'll do it till I can't do it no more. I'm just war slick, which like, you know, as I told you, this old body is not as strong as it used to, and you know, one time and we're done now, but if she keeps asking, Pappy, I love it when you swing me. You're so good at swinging me, Pappy. Would you do it again? Yeah. God, I love it when you come and you move on your people and you change lives like you did Ross and Ariel. I remember that, God, and I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that day when we stood up here in front of everybody and we baptized Ross and we baptized Ariel with her baby inside her. God, would you do that again? Would you do that again? And I think if we started, I think we as a church need to remember and praise God and ask him, God, would you do that again? Would you do that again? It says in here, and I began with the verse 16, with verse 16. And this is what it says. What are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. What happened? The church was living, those two guys were living. God, you can interrupt us, we don't care. 
They were living holy and righteous lives. And even the naysayers said, we can't deny it. That's what God wants in the life of the church this morning. I want you to stand. We're going to sing a song this morning. And I, I don't know what the response would be today. But I know what he wants from us. He wants holiness and righteousness and faithfulness. And he wants us to live in this place where we are in this consistent place of praising God for what he's doing. What he's done in the past. They go all the way back and say, God, you, you created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's all the way back to the beginning. God, we remember what you did back then. God, I remember what you did yesterday. I just want to praise you for it. And then they said, and God, if you would, if you'd help us, would you, would you do that again for us? I don't know what the response is this morning, but we're going to sing a song. And if you would just like to pray this morning, Maybe you'd like to come at the altar and just say, God, I thank you for what you've done and what you have done and what you are doing. And God, if you would help me, God, would you, would you do your work again in my life? If you want to pray that this morning, that's great. If you just want to stand and praise the Lord where you're at, that's great too. But if you feel like you need to pray, we want to give you time to pray this morning. But I would love for you to leave this morning in an attitude of praise and keep that. Keep saying, God, I remember what you did. I remember what you're doing. And God, would you do that again through me? They never took any credit for this. I want you to understand. They said, God, you're the one that did everything. It wasn't about getting credit. It was about, God, you do it. We're gonna open up the altars. If you need to pray this morning, come and pray as we sing.